Welcome once again to another stop on the Michelle Mission, Two Men, One Podcast, every black film ever made. I am your host, Vincent Williams, and I'm joined as always. Hey, what's up? Holla at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And on this stop on the mission, we will be spending time with 1962's All Night Long. All night long, all night, all night, all night long. A loose retelling, (laughs) dare we say, interpretation of Shakespeare's play Othello, starring Paul Harris, Marty Stevens, Keith Mitchell, and the great Patrick Mm McGowan. The great Patrick McGowan. But before we get to all night long, I believe we have some business. We do. We have uh, feedback, Vince, from our episode last week where Bobby Booker joined us for our review of Blazing Saddles. Rojo says, can I just say this was an excellent podcast. So much good insight and information. You guys are usually spot on, but with this one, it was even more so. Bobby Booker is a great addition to the team and should join in more often. It's nice to have a female point of view. If you people want to watch other Brooks movies, I recommend Young Frankenstein, High Anxiety, The Producers, and as Bobby suggested, Silent Movie. Of these, Blazing Saddles is definitely the best, but the others are worthy too. Oh, well, thank you, Rojo. And, and Bobby is definitely a missionary of note. Most de- definitely. Robert Monroe chimed in that this was a great show and Bobby Booker was a great addition. When you were discussing the beans scene, <laughs> yeah. I had a flashback to my childhood. My parents went to see Blazing Saddles one Saturday night and over Sunday breakfast, my father was trying to describe the bean scene, (laughs) but had a hard time doing so because he was laughing so hard. (laughs) Definitely a classic and one that I have to show to my 16-year-old twins. Yes. Yes. I think it is imperative as dads that you share it. Most certainly. Like, I think as a dad, you have to share it. Yes. Tom Laporta. Hey, what's up, Tom? Vince missed an important component of the bean scene. (laughs) The joke isn't that they ate beans and passed gas. The part that gets me every time is the way they stand just before the winds come. (laughs) Bobby would understand the joke entirely if that had been mentioned. (laughs) You know, he's probably right. Yes. the, The logistics. We, we we missed that part. We we did miss that. We we did. We also heard from Sherry D. Hey, what's up, Sherry? Enough with the beans already. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for the Blazing Saddles episode. Bobby Booker was a great guest, and she came prepared. Thanks, Miss Booker, for sharing that Cleavon Little interview with us. Yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, that so, was great. I enjoyed your discussion. My only criticism is that you didn't talk enough about the beans <laughs> and the magnificent gas that was simulated in that scene. 
Oh, God. I remember watching Cleavon Little and DeMont Wilson in the Edith Writes a Song episode of All in the Family. I remember that, too. Oh, nice. I do. Nice Nice pull. pull. Nice pull. It's a funny episode, but of course they play burglars. I read on IMDb that Cleavon Little turned down the role of Lamont on Sanford and Son, but suggested DeMont Wilson. And that's how DeMont got that gig. I wonder if that's true. Wow. Cleavon would have made a clever, playful Lamont against Red Fox's Fred. What do you think? What do you think about that, Vince? Cleavon Little in the role of Lamont. I think that would have been great. I do, too. I think that would have been great because I, Damon Wilson, I mean, he just, I mean, he's, he's a good, I guess, not even straight man, but he didn't really... Well, the thing is, he's supposed to be a straight man. Right. But because DeMont Wilson has very limited skill. I was about to say, he didn't really contribute as much no, as, as the not. best straight men do. Whereas Cleavon Little. Oh, I that would have been amazing. The only thing the only thing there is, and maybe it's just the passage of time, but I could see DeMont Wilson, him physically. Right. Being a son of Red Fox. Right. More so than Cleavon Little. Right. Cleavon Little seems older. Well, he seems older. He's certainly, you know, he's darker skinned. Um yeah, I don't I don't I don't know if I well, I don't know if he seems older, he just seems smarter well, than yeah. DeMont Wilson. That. Uh so that's the only thing. But I it would have been interesting. I think he may have actually raised the level. Absolutely. Of um quality. I mean, he would have been another player. Yeah. Like now you have like another player. player. Yeah. 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 So Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, to see him bouncing off of all the all yeah, the other Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that would have yeah. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Uh Shari D continues. Now, back to Big Daddy Kane. Okay, back to Kane. I remember the first time I heard his song Set It Off. That's Lyrical right. Gold. Nice beat. I guess you'll review Posse in which BDK <laughs> appeared. My only issue with Big Daddy Kane, on Quincy Jones' song Back on the Block, yes. Kane says, we should have gotten our freedom much sooner. You never saw a black man on the honeymooners. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, that's not a great verse. It's not a great. It's not a no. It's not a great verse. It's not a great verse, and then um, you know, but but you know, back on the block, it's not a great song. No, no, and I think Kane. I've I've I actually I've actually seen interviews about back on the block, mm-hmm. and the making I think of the album just that yeah, the making of the album, and I think Kane was just really intimidated by uh, the whole. I mean, he's in a room with Quincy Jones. Well, yeah, that's so. True. Isn't back on the block? That's the one with Secret Garden. Yes, and that's the song that Michael Jackson turned down. If I remember the story, did he? That that's the story I remember. Okay, he turned down being on Secret Garden, and that's why Elder Barge is on there. I did not know that. Yeah, I'm learning so much this evening. Yeah, uh, Shari says the two of my favorite jams are Pete Rock and CL Smooth's "The Creator" yeah, and Kwame's "Keep on Doing It." The lyrics and the beats. Anyway, that's it for now. All right, keep bringing the fun, Shari. D. Thank you, Sherry D. We appreciate you. We certainly do. We also heard from Denai Rementer. Hey, Denai. Uh, I D A N I. Is that Denai or Denis? Or Denai. 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 
We heard from them. Yes. <laughs> they said, uh, Will Smith as Paul Portier. Hey, Len and Vince. Started listening to your podcast last year, and I'm a big fan. Thanks Thank for you. the insight, laughs, and for introducing me to so many films I wouldn't have known about otherwise. Do you all have plans to watch and discuss Six Degrees of Separation from 1993? Just listen to the musical Riffs episode that hilariously breaks down the plot of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, <laughs> and I'm still in tears from laughing. Cheers, Danae, Denis, and Denai. Yes. Well, yes. Six Degrees of Separation is absolutely. Yeah, that'll um, be coming um, up soon. Yeah, that's coming up. Yeah, most certainly. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Will Smith, have you seen the most oh. recent trailer oh. to the live action I, Disney's Aladdin? I, I, I have. Which features Will Smith as the genie it is, from The Lamp. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> it's, it, it, is, it is terrible. It is terrible. And, and I think we are all watching a slow motion train wreck. Yeah. Yeah. We are all watching a slow motion train wreck. Like Disney has three live action adaptations coming out this year. They have Dumbo, which looks well, I have I have lots of Dumbo feelings anyway. I got lots of Dumbo's feelings. I will say though looking at the trailer, it looks well made. I get, yeah, if you're going to remake mean, it. I mean, you know. Uh they have Dumbo they have the Lion, the Lion King, King, which you're right. Which you know, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about that because the Jungle Book was great. Right, right. So I'm and we want the Lion King to win. Yeah, yeah. yeah and you want it to win. We yeah. want it to win. And then they have Aladdin, which right. actually I believe is coming out in March. So okay. next month. Yeah. Is I, it really coming out next month? I believe it's coming out next month. Wow. So you can't even say they're still working on the effects. Yeah, you know, because I, I wanted to say that was That's the what excuse. I want. <laughs> no. Oh, I don't think I knew it was coming out next month. Yeah, I think it's coming out next month. Because Lion King comes out in the towards the end of the su- mid end of the summer. S. And that's the last one. Yes. Yeah. That's terrible. <laughs> this is terrible. This 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 is terrible. Well, in his defense, I think Will Smith it was in a lose lose situation. Oh, and yeah, go having ahead, to go follow, ahead. having to one having to follow Robin Williams' iconic role in the animated movies. Yes, and then um, also having to be this trying to you know. Uh, Bring this character to live action, right? This wholly animated char- character in live action. I think right. it, was a, it was a lose lose situation. And as I'm going to keep saying every time Will Smith comes up, he's Will Smith, so he's intrinsically distracting. Yeah, because he's Will Smith. Yeah. So when you put a whole bunch of nonsense on him, mm-hmm. it just looks like Will Smith. Wearing a whole bunch of nonsense. Yeah. So it's like, what is happening right now? I think they would have been better off if they had made it totally CG. And by that, I mean, like, take it, take the image of the genie from the animated movie. Right. And then try to maybe make that, that same image with that same face. Right. Live in like a... 
a 3D world, right. you know, like digital, you know, digital sure. animation. Sure. And then just have Will Smith be the voice. Right. You know what else they could have done? Just left it alone completely because it's it was a bad idea from the very beginning. Well, it is no, and it, it isn't. It really is. Like there's well, they're ab- trying to introduce it to a new audience. Because we certainly don't have any type of technology where we could show cartoons. Kids nowadays don't like cartoons. They're not they're not into 2D cartoons. They're not. This less and less. Grab. This is a cash grab. Well, this, and, and like this whole this whole series of live action. I, true. It's just a cash grab. It is. But it is also to introduce them to a new audience. Right. That's why Beauty and the Beast it was a hit. The Cinderella one was a hit. Was Beauty and the Beast a hit? That, like that's an honest question. Like I honestly don't it, it, know. It, it wasn't like Cinderella was a big hit. Right. Beauty and the Beast was a mo- a modest hit. Okay. Jungle Book was a huge hit. Right. Um, and it's it's introducing these properties in to a, an entire new entire new audience. I mean, is it a cash grab? Yes, but it's it's they're putting their money in there and they're trying to make good stuff. Aladdin doesn't sound like it's uh, oh. Aladdin's not looking good. I admit, but I don't know. What do you want from me? But, but yes, I did see the trailer <laughs> for Aladdin. I don't know. I wish it and Will Smith well. Do you really? I do. I do. I do. You know, I have a soft spot for not just Will Smith, but but these, we've talked about it, these sort of 90s icons that, that are trying to hang on. Trying to not even hang on, just sort of get their footing mm-hmm. in the 21st century. Like sort of transition to the next stage. Got you. I, I, of their careers. Uh, Lance Hansen hit us up. Hey, what's up, Lance? In the Facebook group. He says, as a fan of Rusty Kondif, yes, I was pleased to hear such an insightful breakdown of the not-so-good movie Sprung. Oh, thank you. It's this type of thorough examination of film, even bad or mediocre film, that keeps me tuning in. Greatly looking forward to the CB4 versus Fear of a Black Hat episode, though obviously Fear of a Black Hat is by far the superior film, but I'll wait to hear what you guys have to say. Anyhow... I was wondering if anyone on here has seen the Tales from the Hood sequel. I have not. Is there any possible way that it's any good? Right. I've I've heard mixed reviews of it though. I've not seen it either. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to right. the day that so surely come when we have to. Right. And I feel like people stopped talking about it almost immediately, which made me think that maybe it wasn't that great. Yeah. How do you feel about um, BET developing the the a Boomerang Television series? I I think it's a terrible idea, but I think it's. Oh, it's that's the one leading away from on. Yeah, though. but I read a couple of reviews that said it was good. I've heard I've, uh, the buzz I've heard is that it's not bad. Yeah, is that coming on tonight? I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I heard the you know I've read like two reviews that are like, no, it's good. So you know, I will watch it. I can see it being good only because I, I like you said, I trust Lena Waithe. Right, I trust her eye. I trust her ear. And I think this was a project that initially was not connected to Boomerang. Yeah, and they kind of just and they kind of married it to that right, IP, which can go 
either way. Yeah. Like, yeah. if there's a Lena Waithe production right. and, right. and with that. Her, with Halle Berry. With Halle Berry. But even, right, but but it was a quality product and they just need to slap Boomerang on it to get it made. Yeah. Then, you know, okay. Yeah. yeah I'm with that. Yeah. I'm with it. You know, hey. Hey, I'm in the I'm in the Lena Waif absolutely business. So absolutely, I am down for it. Bougie Square Society asked a question. What's up, Vince? Cause? I don't know if you're familiar about this. Uh, any thoughts on J Lo? That would be one Jennifer Lopez oh, becoming an essential member oh, of my God. Motown. Now I don't know what uh, what this is about. Could you, she she yes you do. She did the Motown <laughs> tribute on the Grammys. Oh, did she? Yes. Uh, see, I heard somebody say that, but I didn't. I didn't watch it. So, yes. So yes, she was actually. She was asked to do the Motown tribute on the Grammys. Why Jennifer, they ask Lopez. Jennifer Lopez. Well, that has been the question, hasn't it? <laughs> Why would they ask Jennifer? Lopez? I, you know what? Oh my god! So she's singing like all the great, the the great. Uh, I mean, it happened. No, I'll, I'll yeah, say. Yeah. So did she sing? I, I mean, I didn't watch it, obviously. Oh, okay, but but you know, I'm, you I, you have to assume she was up there. I mean, one. Gladys is still alive. You know what? Lynn? She was just at the Super Bowl. You know what? She was the best thing at the Super Bowl. Oh Lord, y'all can't see me rubbing my eyes because black people make me tired. <laughs> like, why would they? Why would they ask Jennifer Lopez? Here's the thing. Let's sing a tribute to Here's Motown. The Here's the thing. I. I will speak for me. I am unapologetically a black culture gatekeeper. Like mm. we talk about people gatekeeping and this, that, and the other. And I am unapologetic in how protective I am mm-hmm. of black culture. Right. And and A, because I'm black, mm-hmm. so I have I'm connected to it. But B, because historically our culture has never, ever been honored and treated the way that it should be treated. Our contributions to popular culture, our contributions to art, and and just just America, right? Have you know it's never been as acknowledged and honored as much as it should have been. And part of the lack of acknowledgement and the way we have been dishonored is that people come in, take what we created, yeah, pretend that it's theirs. Mm-hmm. Treat it shabbily, disrespect it, everything, so that part of and fr- then discard it, and when then the next discard it. New thing comes when in. the next new thing comes along, and 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 part of of the reason that I am so invested in this project at the Michelle Mission is to say our names mm-hmm. and to acknowledge what we've done and to to do what we you know, and I think that. This is a perfect example of it where, A, not only do you have one of the great African-American contributions to music honored by someone who isn't African-American, mm-hmm. but I think what is even more disrespectful is that there was someone who is not that talented, frankly. Like Jennifer Lopez just is not a good singer, and I don't think anyone has ever argued that Jennifer Lopez was a good singer. And and no. you know, like I've seen people sort of say, you know, Celia Cruz, like they would never let someone black 
honor Celia Cruz or or even Selena. And and in my mind, A, that's true. But then B, I tried to think of someone who is sort of parallel to Jennifer Lopez talent wise. Mm -hmm. And I can't even think of anybody because a black woman would never be able to succeed who has the lack of talent that Jennifer Lopez has. Yeah. Having said all that, I would be much, much angrier if this was Stax or if this was Atlantic or, 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 you know, one of these other, I mean, even chess records, frankly, Mm -hmm. you know, one of these other black labels, because as Barry Gordy and Smokey Robinson proved this week when they defended her, Barry Gordy has always been on some dumb shit, frankly, about this. Like, Barry Gordy has always been on some kumbaya, less all, you, you know, like Barry Gordy and Motown philosophically have always been very soft in their blackness, frankly. Okay. And their overt black pride and their overt, you know, we are making black music and this is black culture. Like from the very beginning, Barry Gordy was very adamant about, you, you know, we are the, the sound of young America. Right. You know, not black America, young America. And I always say part of what makes Motown Motown, like, is the sheer quality of the product mm-hmm. and, 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 and the fact that he created this this environment where where people like Marvin Gaye or Stevie Wonder and the Temptations and Supremes, all of these artists could blossom. But even that is it's so funny, I'm working on on a draft of the of my second musings. Okay. Which which, you know, just a preview, it's about Trouble Man. Oh. You, you know the soundtrack to Trouble Man. And so I'm, you know, doing all this Marvin Gaye stuff, but you know the the people I just named: Marvin Gaye, The Temptations, um, Stevie Wonder, The Supremes, even to a certain extent. Once once you get to the Love Child period, there was always this fight for them to express themselves in ways that were, frankly, overtly black from the machinery of Motown, right? So that. It, it, I think if you went back in time to 1963 and you showed Barry Gordy in 1963 that this is the person who they chose to honor you in 2019, he would be happy about it. Say, oh, we won. Yeah. We got a mediocre Petey, Puerto Rican singer to sing our music. So, yay us. So, you know. <laughs> kind of like I said about George Lucas and them crappy uh, Star Wars prequels. Look, this is look, this is Barry Gordy's legacy. This is Barry Gordy and Smokey Robinson. This is their legacy. This is what they want. So if they felt like they were honored by Jennifer Lopez, fine, sure. Fine. Do you. Yeah. Do you. Anyway, um, we want to thank everybody that emails us at Michelmission at gmail.com and um, you know, give us a, share your thoughts and your your feelings. Um, also, all of you who are members of the me show mission facebook group what's up y'all hey we're going through all of your posts we check them out you give us the, all the news updates and uh having a conversation it's a good time yes uh so we thank everyone there as well and um oh and also i i i wanted to say that um 
Oh, there was a funny meme that someone posted uh, about this boy um, making his face. And it says, uh, it was Mellow, at Mellow from Mars, posted this on Twitter. Uh, Events during the mayo sandwiches and stream beans discussion. <laughs> and it's this gift of this young boy. I don't know if you saw this, Vince. You see this it, it, <laughs> young boy making his face. That's you. That's accurate. Yeah. That's accurate. It's, it's almost like she was here. Right. You, you never, you never t- can tell what's going to happen in this ear booth. You can't. You can't. All right. Um, I think it's time. I think it's time. For Absolutely. us to get into All Night All Long. All Night Long. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. Support Black Podcast. Talking My Team is the brainchild of two friends who are both passionate fans of football. JP and the mayor enjoy every facet of the game, but they never found one podcast where people sounded exactly like them. So they figured that the only way that they were going to get a perspective like the one that they have meant that they would have to produce it themselves. And thus was born Talking My Team Podcast Network. Uncensored, raw, and most of all, a speak that is strictly from the fans' point of view. The definitive statement about the Talking My Team Podcast Network is, is as real as it gets. Go on to SoundCloud, support Talking My Team Network with JP and the mayor, the man, Dan Dinkins, Talking My Team Network. Support Black Podcast. I'm giving a party, and I'd like you to come along. You'll meet some fascinating people and hear some great music. As a matter of fact, we're celebrating the first wedding anniversary of the famous band leader, Aurelius Rex. A year ago today, he married the fabulous Delia Lane, and the world of jazz lost one of its best-loved singers. Among the guests is Johnny Cousin, Rex's drummer, a brilliant musician, but utterly ruthless in his struggle for success. Look, Delia, you're not the kind of girl to wait in the wings. You want to work. You want it so much. 
can taste it. But Johnny, you don't need me. Yes, I do. It's exactly what I do need, Delia. This is Cass Michaels, top sax player. Very good friend of Rex and Delia. And uh, rumor has it, especially Delia. The world's top jazz men are coming. That brilliant instrumentalist, Dave Brubeck. sax played like that, you don't need me to tell you that it's Johnny Dankworth. Have you heard any gossip about my wife? Gossip? You heard me. You know what I mean. Directed by Basil Dearden, is the story of Othello as translated to the world of 60s London jazz clubs. Over the course of one eventful evening, the anniversary celebration of the musical and romantic partners Aurelius, Aurelius Rex, played by Paul Harris, and Delia Lane, played by Marty Stevens, a jealous, ambitious drummer, Johnny Cousin, played by Patrick McGowan, mm. attempts to tear the interracial couple apart. This daring psychodrama also features on-screen appearances by jazz legends Charles Mingus, Dave Brubeck, Tubby Hayes, and Johnny Dankworth. Mm-hmm. 1962's All Night Long, directed again by Basil Dearden, was the choice of Lynn Webb. What yeah. say you, Lynn, of All Night Long? When this movie opens up, well, first of all, I had no idea, even when I selected the movie, that this was part of the Criterion Collection. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, la dida. I know. So, when I saw that, I was like, oh, hold up. Yeah. So, this must be one of those, like, you know, hidden gems. Right, right, right. That, you know, you, you hear so much about, uh, which is why it actually took me by surprise when we announced that we were going to be reviewing the show, this movie, more than a few of the missionaries hit us up. It's like, oh my God, I can't, I can't wait. I love this movie. Hey, some hip cats. Yeah, I thought I was going to be like under the radar with this Missionaries are some hip cats. Yeah, they was, they was there, you know? So I guess they, you know, they probably broke into their Criterion collection. Oh, yeah. Like, rewatch this, you know? Like a sister um, of Brandy. Of course. Uh, so so that that struck me. So I was like, all right, I must be in, in for some good stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the movie, it opens up. And it opens on the streets of London with uh, Richard Attenborough, who also stars in this film, getting into his car and driving through the streets of London in this really atmospheric, stark, but 
cool black and white, you know, footage, you know, of his car just driving and and you're hearing you're hearing the jazz already. It's like, it's like kind of like and it's a slow walk into the jazz because it's not it's not hard jazz in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But as he drives along and gets closer to his destination, it gets jazzier and jazzier and jazzier until he gets out the car. There's a storm breaking. He runs up uh, up the steps into his gorgeous loft apartment i'm mm. i'm like so hating on this brother <laughs> i was hating on him. i was like oh my god this joint is banging and then you, you go into your loft apartment and who's there but charles mingus <laughs> just just sitting there just oh i let myself in and just strumming i'm like oh my god what have we walked into my ladies and gentlemen and he's there and he's got like the his shadows like cast on the wall you know charles mingus like you know ain't a small man and no. he's sitting there and he's just like yo man you know i'm just doing like boom 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 i'm like oh 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 this is good this is good and, and like richard attenborough who is an actor i've always enjoyed mm-hmm. but honestly i've known richard attenborough from two movies the Great Escape, mm-hmm. and fast forward to the first Jurassic Park. Mm. That's that's Richard Attenborough to me. Right, right. So seeing him in this, I was like, oh, that's another Richard Attenborough movie. All right, I'm, I'm with it. I am here. I am here. I am lockstep with this genre, right? And then... And 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 it and it's it's shot gorgeous. I mean, uh, Edward Scaife is the cinematographer, and yo, he is, he is no joke. Mm-hmm. This is a beautiful movie, and you see people, and and the whole thing takes place in this one set, is in his in his uh in his loft apartment where he's having this party and you see people coming to the party and you see a Dave Brubeck show up at the party, you see Johnny Dankford you see all these all these jazz players, they're all playing carrying them their, their instruments you know um, and it's it's a lot of the English jazz scene, you right. know, there's a couple of American jazz players, you know, like a Dave Brubeck is there and everything, but the, there's a lot of English players there um, because at this time, 1962, as much as jazz is heralded here in America, it is big time heralded right. over in uh, it, overseas and especially in England. You know, that takes you back to um, the the. Paul Newman, Sidney Poitier movie. I was, I was thinking about uh, what's that? Shades of uh, Paris Blue. Paris Blue. Paris I was, Blue. I was yeah. If, yes. Yeah. So it just you would bring that it, up. It's right yeah. in that same Absolutely. era. You know. Absolutely. So it makes sense that you know jazz is alive and vibrant over there. And um, you know, a part of me was you know, I was in my feelings a little bit because it was like because it's still 1962, so it was a whole lot of white people coming up here, right? Listening to this jazz music. I'm right. like, what y'all know about jazz? I don't know about jazz, but. They're British, so I know they at least have an appreciation for jazz. Sure. Uh, and the movie even speaks to it. The, right. You know how jazz, as uh, for many people, has been seen of, of the music of the Negro and the intellectual, and I forget it was one adolescence and the adolescence. That's right. You know, so the movie even kind of gives a little commentary on that. And this is definitely a room full of like you know intellectuals, right, right, uh, types. Right. You know, which definitely has a sprinkling of some black faces in there as well and not just musicians right so so you know I, w- I was feeling that so i'm feeling the whole vibe of of the party you know uh and 
Patrick McGowan mm. comes in. Patrick McGowan, you know, like you did this whole riff at the top of the, the show. You know, Patrick McGowan <laughs> from from the, from the the Prisoner, yeah, the oh Br- yeah, British series. You know, um, I've know Patrick McGowan from from that from a lot of British British television yeah. over the years. He was a memorable foil of Columbo, like about four or five times mm-hmm. as well. And then he, I think his last role actually may have been in um, in Braveheart. Okay. He, he plays the king in Braveheart, and, and, he, and he's like snidely whiplashing himself all, all all in that that role. And he is. Every bit of chewing the scenery in this movie as <laughs> as well, but nobody chews scenery like Patrick McGowan oh chews scenery. So I'm 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 with it. I'm 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 with him. You know, you, you see him in basically his his character is Johnny Cousin, but mm-hmm. he more or less he's the the Iago yes, yes. of Othello in this movie, and you see him just sitting in the sitting in the corners, just you know. You know, connecting dots and just you know sowing seeds of dissent all over the place, and just with his sneaky eyes and 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 the jazz music playing a, 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 over him, just just like you know, like intensifying and just you know like revving up the 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 energy of the movie. Uh, and then and I couldn't find any place in here, so I can only assume because his his character Johnny Cousin is a drummer trying to start yes. to start off his own band yeah. and trying to get backing for it and he'll only be able to get backing if he can get this this singer who is married to the Othello character who basically is the Delilah of the of this movie or that's Desdemona 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 of, of this movie um get her on his side and he also you know has a thing for her. um he plays a drummer in this movie yes and there's one scene where Patrick McGowan sits down on the drums, and if there's a stunt double, I can't tell. It's not a st- he, he learned how to play the drums for this film. Yo, he didn't learn how to play the drums. Yeah, that man learned how to play the skins. Yeah, because he wails. Oh I was yeah, like, Patrick McGowan. Oh, you are officially the most interesting man in the world, Patrick McGowan. Man, oh my God. You know, Robert De Niro gets fat for movies. No, he learned how to play the drums he and learned. was banging them joints. Yeah, oh, I yeah. mean, he was like, oh yeah. I mean, it was like it was jazz. Oh yeah, it was jazz right there. It was j- he was on point with everybody there. You know what I'm saying? I was, oh my god, Patrick McGowan, Patrick McGowan. Yeah. No. <laughs> and you put that up with him and Richard Attenborough, who. Honestly, I think it's a little miscast in this movie because I think he's trying to play like this young hip kind of guy, and not you, you can't be but so hip in in Mister Mister Rogers sweater. But he's still doing his thing. Um, uh, the Keith Mitchell, who was a, a a character actor I've seen a lot in 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 uh, in the sixties and okay. stuff like that. So it's actually seeing him was actually kind of cool. Uh, and and he's he's cool. He brings a, a level of, of gravitas to this mo- to this movie and his role of cast. Uh, yeah. But then Paul Harris, yes, as the Othello, yes, Aurelius Rex, which is a better name than Othello. Like <laughs> like I wish my name was Aurelius Rex. <laughs> oh my god, that is, is that's not a boss name. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. 
He comes into this movie because he's married to Desdemona, Delilah, played by Marty Stevens. And the second he walks into this movie, he's larger than the room. Yes. He fills the room. He is a magnet who your eyes can, you cannot take your eyes off of him. His stature is rod straight. He's a very tall, imposing figure. Um, And he is, for the most part in this film, a man of few words. Yes. But intense emotion all over his face. So he rides that well, which if you know the story of Othello yes. is Othello. Right. Othello is all this intensity and everything like that. So you put all that together and with jazz just heating, percolating all this up, you have the ingredients for a fantastic movie. And this is a good movie. Mm-hmm. It it just it 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 let me down in that as much as I love Patrick McGowan, and I do, right. it spends too much time on Patrick McGowan. And Paul Harris, this imposing figure, kind of shifts to the background almost. Right. So that when he does have to, to jump forward in the plot, because Othello is a, sto- a story as old as time. Right. You know, Iago's tricking him like, that somebody else wants your lady, you know, and all this type of stuff. When he... It, when he has to step forward at the end of the movie, it's almost too late, and it, sure. doesn't, it feels false. Sure, his his move, and it, it feels almost, and it still feels a little bit out of character for him. I I so that that is what kept this movie from being a great film. Sure. for me, but I could see the Criterion rapture of it. Yeah, in just the the aesthetics of it and the jazz because the jazz is not just background you get whole sweeps in this you get a, a Dave Brubeck just playing just doing a whole song yeah, you get yeah. you get Dave Brubeck and Charles Mingus doing, doing a, a duet doing a duet yeah you know um the, uh, uh, you get uh, John John Dankford gets a nice solo. Yeah. Tommy oh, yeah. Hayes gets a solo. Um, there's uh, John Scott gets a solo. Yeah. There's a lot of lot of notable jazz players from from this time who get maybe a couple of words, um, but more they they just they they're just grooving. They're yeah. just back there grooving and they're just having a good time. And and this movie is to be celebrated if only for just a documentation of that right you know because how often do you get that you know what i mean exactly but but overall the story as percolating as it was and and it goes through some machinations that just like the whole tape and the the cutting of the tape and editing of the tape i'm like (laughs) come on man that part of it let me down right but overall i still enjoyed it right I just didn't love it as much as I wanted to. You know, I th- I think I- I'll st- I'll start on that end, the the story part, and, and like you said, the whole there, there's this whole convoluted plot point about the recording equipment and and Johnny Cousins the the Iago role mm-hmm. stitches together so a recording for Rex to yeah. hear. And that is a variation of what happens in Othello. Oh, because I honestly, yeah, it's I've very, seen Othello, but I don't remember. There's there's one, a character gets the Cassius 
the, the, the Cassius character to talk about his girl. Right. But he basically whispers in his ear, hey, Cassius, tell me about and and Cassius starts talking and Iago oh. has Othello like behind a curtain listening. Overhearing. That's overhearing right. it. That's and right. he says, so, but I think that speaks to this this almost it's it's on the one hand i think it was a good instinct to kind of update this othello story Mm -hmm. like like we're gonna take it and i'm and i'm a sucker for interpretations of of shakespeare like reinterpretations and oh really you you know oh oh, i'm a sucker like uh, like i'm a sucker like oh we're going to do the merchant of venice but it's going to be set in a preschool, like I okay. love, like I love all of that. Really, okay. And Othello is one of my favorite Shakespeare plays. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's like I like Macbeth better than this, just because it's sword fights and witches. But starting here, I think what really kind of handicaps this film as an adaptation of Othello is that it's 1962. And at the heart of Othello is this really passionate, raw sexual energy. Yeah. Between Othello and Desdemona. Right. Which in 1962, you can't really represent it. But without that, much to much to to what you were saying about Rex Harris's performance, without that Paul fa- Harris, I'm sorry, Paul Harris's performance, without the foundation of this crazy sexual energy, mm-hmm. it almost doesn't make sense for him to flip out like he does. Right at the end, like right. you from the very beginning, you have to establish that all these two really have. Like I'm gonna try not to go down my English rabbit hole, but from the the very first scene of Othello. Is uh, Iago is kind of gets his boys to go, and they say, you know, a black ram is nupping your white ewe, mm. and to call out Desdemona's father to the street because right. he doesn't know that they've eloped. Okay. And nupping is an old word that that is just, I mean, it really it means screwing, right? But very gra- like it's a very graphic word. Mm-hmm. So from the very beginning, you know, this is about sex. Yeah. You can't do this in 1962 with Marty Nixon, Marty Stevens, Marty Stevens, and um, Paul Harris. Paul Harris, yeah. because there is a black man and white. And and when you look at them, just the physicality of the two actors throughout the film, they barely touch each other. Yeah, there's you know, some they, holding of hands. You know, there's really a little, it. but it's amazingly chaste. Yeah, yeah. because it kind of has to be. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so much of the Othello story is like you said Iago winding him up mm-hmm. and basically saying you know Cassius is in there doing your doing your lady right and you don't have that here yeah I'm a fan of Iago though so what you saw as it was too much of Johnny Cousins to me that worked that was a sweet spot like that, that that's actually my sweet spot mm-hmm. with Iago doing his Iago thing, basically moving everyone around and right. and if you look at the 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 poster for this where it's it's a poster, it's a very stylized picture of some drumsticks moving. Mm-hmm. And because they're in movement, it looks like it's a bunch of drumsticks over 
other over the the cast, but it looks like he's a puppet master. Yeah, right. And that's Iago. And I think Patrick McGowan, you, you know, as you said, I, I oh my god, I love Patrick McGowan. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh my god, I love Patrick McGowan so much, and and he's fantastic. And you you know you, you said he was chewing scenery. I I actually didn't view it as chewing scenery. I actually just saw him much like um much like Paul Harris physically mm-hmm. was larger than everyone else. Okay, all right. Patrick McGowan intellectually and and is like he's just out maneuvering. Smartest guy in the room. He's he's and he's so much smarter than yeah. everybody in the room yeah. that it's ridiculous. Well, thinks so, he's the smartest guy in the room. Yeah, I mean he actually is. I, you know, I, I think they take uh, again. You like you look at the story, and 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 again the 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 liberties that they took with the story, mm-hmm. <clears throat> because no one actually gets murdered, like in the play, like the part. There's a part in here where his wife basically tells on him in the play when she goes to tell on him he murders her oh really oh yeah wow oh yeah so you know iago basically gets away with it until the very end and then they kind of take him away but i love this movie like i love this movie i thought you know everything you just said I, i thought it's it was just it was just so cool like it would like everything you said with with the, I thought the the use of shadow mm-hmm. was amazing. You know, just the angles and and you know, like you said, it's it's in this beautiful loft. You know, two, three, four. Uh, I think it was like a, a three floors. Yep, loft with the spiral staircase and mm-hmm. and you know and 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 the costumes and everyone is you know wearing beautiful tuxedos and and you know all of the actors are so cool and. Paul Harris is the coolest guy in the room with, as you said, not a lot of dialogue. Yeah. Really, but just his stature and his aura, and you understand why everything stops when he comes when in. he comes in the room. Now I do have to say, you know, this is our second Paul Harris film. Yeah, because he plays um he plays like the like the lieutenant. Nope. Wait, who are you talking about? The lieutenant what? Well, what are you thinking of? What are you thinking of? I see him playing like the the like the lieutenant in the movie. That we did? Maybe we didn't do it yet, but I see him playing a lieutenant. He certainly played Gator in Truck Turner. Oh, the, oh, okay, yes. The yes, king yes. pimp that gets murdered. <laughs> yes. And then Nichelle Nichols wants revenge. <laughs> Yes, he, he he did. But there's a completely different speed for um Ah, that's what he was. He was um he's in uh uh Let's Do It Again. He plays a cop in Let's Do It Again. He does play a cop. So yeah. this is our third yeah. Paul Harris. I know it's something else. It's something that that we saw. Yeah. But yeah. uh but yeah, Patrick McGowan is fantastic. Paul Harris is great. As you say, Keith Mitchell as Kaz. Yeah. Is is really nice. Mm-hmm. Um Richard Attenborough, I actually had a different read than you did. Like like my read was he was exactly who he played. Like almost this approaching middle age guy who is obsessed with this stuff. And because he's rich, 
he's able to indulge his taste. Uh, like, I, I thought the way they situated him where he comes in and and the wait staff comes in with all the food and you can tell that this is a service that he uses a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they say, you know, he says, do you have enough food? Do you have enough champagne? And they say, of course, we brought it for you. And, you know, how many people do you need? And money is not even no object money is not even a concept yeah for this man so i i guess i guess maybe just didn't like the whole idea of this rich guy being able to basically buy these jazz singers to come and you know perform for me but i think that's what happens yeah i know and And I, i think that's what happened yeah, I know. Like that's 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 actually pretty accurate. I know. Like I like the fact that he was this schlubby little guy, but people kind of had to pay attention to him because he was, you know, British rich guy. Yeah, yeah, you know. All right. I mean, I like Richard Attenborough. So yeah. Uh, so you know, I'm, I'm not gonna fight, but so hard. I, yeah. love, I love the guy. So. The music, as you said, not only was it, not only did it serve. To create atmosphere, it was actually part and parcel to the film. Mm-hmm. And I thought that um, in his direction, uh, Basil, Basil Dearton did a great job capturing the organic nature of which what's basically a jam session. Yeah, yeah. Where, really, you know, players right. kind of flow in and out mm-hmm. of where they are and what mm-hmm. they're playing. You know, I will say this while Patrick McGowan did learn how to play the drums, I don't believe Paul Harris learned how to play the piano. Uh no. <laughs> because no. the camera trickery that you have to do, because he is a big man mm-hmm. to not show his hands. Yeah. And he kind of swayed back and forth this way. And you can see, this is my I am playing the piano acting, right. which stuck out so much. It also stuck out because every time he would go to play the piano, not only was, you know, you could tell he wasn't playing, but then it was a slow song as well. And the camera pulls all the way back. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> like you get these wonderful tight shots yeah. of all of these players mm-hmm. at their craft, including Patrick McGowan. Yeah, yeah. Patrick McGowan, the camera is like on the drums. But when Paul Harris is on the piano, suddenly the camera pulls back like 10 feet. All of a sudden, the camera's in the kitchen. Yeah. You know, looking through around people. You know, yeah. Yeah. And me, and the only reason that stands out so much is because before he comes, all of this talk is of how phenomenal he is. Exactly. You know, so you exactly. at least want to even even if you know it's not him playing, exactly. you want to hear exactly his skill. And you compare it to something like Paris Blues, where the character that uh, Louis Armstrong plays, and I forget whether or not he plays himself, but there is all this fanfare. Mm-hmm. And then when he shows up, if you remember, the whole movie yep. is electric. Yep. And it's like, oh, this is why he was such a big deal. Right. And you don't get that with this character. Yeah. And, you know, I understand he didn't learn how to play piano, but, well, Patrick McGowan learned how to play the drums. Yeah. The other thing that I thought. Well, Paul Harris, I like Paul Harris. He ain't Patrick McGowan. He ain't Patrick McGowan. (laughs) You know, for a film that is a retelling of Othello and a film that we are talking about here on the Michelle Mission. You can count on one hand 
with a bunch of fingers left over, how many times race is directly referenced. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you know, the whole thing about Othello is that it is this black man Mm -hmm. and this white woman. Mm -hmm. There's, there is no mention whatsoever of that being a point of 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 Rex's distrust. Yeah, and they that, don't you know, even know I'm black and she's white and you know maybe I'm just a passing fancy. Right. Like there's nothing there. And they don't even try to couch it in like cuz sometimes they'll try to couch that in the world of of class. Right. You know like you're you're at this level at this level. No, it's none of that. It is none of that so much so that I mean obviously it's a retelling of Othello so kind of you know, it's the most grandfathering of grandfathering in that this is a black mm-hmm. film. But this is a film where Rex's character did not have to be black. No. At all. No. Which is a choice. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's a choice that I don't know how, like, I'm still sort of grappling with that choice. Like, how do I feel about that? That in Othello, race is not really like like you know there's this one there's this sense that you get from Cassius's character that he feels like he is vulnerable like he says oh I'm I'm part of a um an uh um whatchamacallit an endangered species the white American jazz player oh that was that was Johnny Cousins that was Patrick yeah 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 you said uh um, the minority, a white American jazz musician, right? But that's yeah, that's it. Even Cassius's girlfriend is black. Yeah, Cassius' girlfriend is black. I'm calling him by Othello's name, Cassius. Yeah, Cassius' girlfriend is black, and there's never anything referenced. Yeah, it's it, it's interesting that she. I think she is playing black in this movie, but that actually the actress is actually Ma- Maria Velasco. A Mexican actress. I did not know that, that she was Mexican. But I do think you're right. She is playing black. Yeah. And when the two care, there's one quick scene where Rex and she talk to one another. And you think, oh, well, maybe we're about to have a black moment. Mm -hmm. No, you're not. No, No. we're just going to talk about what's happening. You know, the plot. Yeah, how things going for you. eh. Right. And, And we're back to the film. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I thought that might be like ooh something, right? And then it wasn't, right? But I was fine with it not being something. I, w- I was fine with like his race not being the issue, right? I just would have liked for a little bit more of him, right? There, you know what I mean, right? That right. ultimately, you know, you know. Again, I I think. I think Othello is, I honestly can't think of a, of a great adaptation of Othello. Adaptation? Right, right. Like reinterpretation. Reinterpretation. Right, right. Like, like there's, there's, there's a film called O. Right. That I seem to remember liking a lot of the choices that they made in O. Mm-hmm. With uh, it was like Mackay Pfeiffer and Julia Stiles. Okay, and I think Josh Hartnett sounds right. Plays the Iago character, but besides this and O, you know, it's not like Romeo and Juliet. That, yeah, where that, there's a, yeah, you know, people thousand re- interpretations. Yeah, re- re- so I don't know, but I didn't mind it because there was so much 
other good stuff in it. Yeah. So, you know, like like to to kind of end where I started, I almost wish this wasn't a reinterpretation of Othello. Yeah. Like I wish it was more of its own thing so that it wouldn't have been shackled by these kind of plot points they had to hit. Right. Like like you know you got to have her lose something that he gave to her. Mm-hmm. You got to have this bit where where you know like like I said he has to overhear Cass talking but he's really talking about something else. Mm-hmm. You know it's like all this stuff you have to hit to be Othello and then you know you got a black guy in here. I felt I think part of the reason why this movie also doesn't land with me is because as I was watching it you know you're not supposed to like Johnny Cousins. Right. So you're not. I want to root for Aurelius Rex. Mm-hmm. But he's not given enough to do, so I'm like, eh, I'm not really, you know. Right. Um, And Delilah, his wife, Marty Stevens, she kind of left me cold. So I actually, from watching this movie, I feel for Johnny Cousins' wife, yeah, uh, Emily. Yeah, especially her sorrowful story yeah. about how they got together. Now I don't know in, if in any way that's extrapolated from the actual play, right? But as it's portrayed in this movie, um, and then ha- as you know, her story goes in the movie. I felt for her, yeah, especially at the end of the movie, yeah, where she's. Still willing to be with this guy. Yeah. After calling him out on his BS in front of everybody at the party. But she she is, you know, so I guess her esteem her self-esteem has taken such a beating yeah. at this man's uh, 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 by being married to Johnny that she doesn't even for some reason, she feels like this is what she deserves. Yeah, she's or just, this is all she can she's get. She's just sort of long suffering and beat yeah. down. And, and I, fe- I yeah. felt for her. Yeah. I really did because ultimately, she was trying to just be a friend. Yeah, you know, trying to be a friend. It, it, it trying to be a friend to everybody whom to whom she was a friend with, and even to Johnny. Okay, we're not going to have a great romance. Right. Well, at least, at least, let me be. Let's be friends and let's be and friendly right, in this relationship. I was about to say, can you be nice to me? Yeah, yeah. I so I really felt for her. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you know, that's not I, pulled from the from the. Play. I don't remember a lot about her from the like. I remember she kind of helps Iago do things. Like I think she's the one who actually takes the handkerchief. Okay, from Desdemona, right? And. And then kind of moves, and then you know, again, like I said, she kind of tells at the end that he okay. stabs and kills her. So she has a. Ch- so in the play, she more has a change of heart because in this movie, she doesn't have a change of heart. Right. She she's long suffering all the way. She's, oh no no, she's long suffering all through the play as well. Yeah, but but in the play, it sounds like she's more complicit. Oh yeah yeah, she helps more yeah, absolutely. and she's not complicit at all in this right. movie. Right right. Although I think I may have turned my head. I never did figure out how to how he got the cigarette case. Oh, he got the cigarette case because he slyly took it from Cass. Oh, he took it from, so he took it from Cass. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, the other thing that 
struck me, you know. Oh no, no, no! You mean how he got it from? Do you mean how he how got he it? got the how he got the cigarette case from um, Delilah? Oh, because Delilah, you know. Now here's the thing, it and I guess this is how the movie plays it. This is a case that Rex gives Delilah that is that is a, a, a treasured gift. And right. then, you you know, as part of, of the plot, Johnny Cousins says that Cass has this cigarette case. Right. Right. Emily. In the play, it's a handkerchief. Right. It, it, Emily, in the movie, Emily uh, goes to Delilah because they're friends. Right. And Delilah says, hey, let's go to, you know, oh, my makeup. Let me, let's go to right. the women's room. So they walk off to the woman's, women's room, and that's when Johnny comes from across the room because she had left her cigarette and case she, on, the, right. okay. on the coffee table. Okay. In the play, I believe Emily helps get the handkerchief. Right. So I think that's the way they played it in this movie. Yeah. Instead of making her complicit, right. they just have her very innocently right. move her out of now, the room. The other thing, and you're talking about Delilah leaving you cold. Did Delilah leave you cold because she doesn't really have a character to her, or did she leave you cold for some other reason? I think it, I think it may be because she didn't have a, a character to her. And see, that's another change. The thing that I always like about Desdemona in the play is that Desdemona is actually shady Ooh, really? in the play. Like, the great thing, and, and we're going to get off to because, like I said, I love Othello. Like, I'd actually sit here and talk <laughs> about Othello. So, again... When Othello starts, mm-hmm. they come and they're like, you know, wake up, wake up. An old black ram is nupping your young white you. Right. And and Desdemona's father comes out, you know, because it's like the middle of the night. And, mm-hmm. and she's like, what's going on? And, and Othello comes out and he has on like his dressing gown. Mm. And he's like, yes, me and Desdemona are married, this, that, and the other. And a whole bunch of stuff happened because like he thinks, <laughs> he thinks Othello has used African witchcraft on Desdemona. <laughs> To make her marry him. And Desdemona's like, no, no, I love him, this, that, and the other. And the last thing that Desdemona's father says to Othello mm-hmm. after it kind of settles down, he says, yo, that's my that's my daughter. And I love her and I know her better than anyone. And she lied to my face mm-hmm. for however long y'all have been married. And I never even, like, I never knew that she was not telling like but that's how well she lies gotcha so if she'll lie to me and i'm her daddy the day might come when she lies to you gotcha. and this is like the first scene so throughout and if i believe when desdemona loses the handkerchief othello actually asks her about the handkerchief you know, because because it's the handkerchief his mother gave him. And, you know, this is my mother's handkerchief, this, that, and the other. Hey, where is the handkerchief? And I think she lies about it. And it's like, oh, I left it in the room. Oh, this, that, and the other. And he knows that Cass, Cassius has the handkerchief. Ah. So she's mad shady in the play. But that's a characteristic. Like, she's an actual character. Whereas in this, she's just sort of 
walking around in this white dress. Yeah. Which I thought was a nice visual. It was a nice you know, visual. That she has on this. But but I think you're right. There isn't much to her character. No. There's this. not. There's not there's not much to her character. The direction in the story doesn't do much to build much chemistry between her and Paul. I was about to say Harris. there's not much to their relationship. There's not much to their relationship. Um they also talk about, you know, part of her throwing this party cuz she kind of like this party is kind of like her idea. Yeah. So, you know, uh, to celebrate them on their new marriage. And she wants to surprise him by singing to him in this new style that she developed. <laughs> right. The new you know, style. Yeah. And it's, there's nothing yeah. really there. No, she could have just yeah. like, stayed on the sofa. Um, yeah. This, like, ultimately, this movie, which those two should be central to. There's nothing to them. Yeah. Which which then at the end of the movie, when you have this incredible shot oh my of them walking you know, away from the away from the party. Beautiful, beautiful setup. Are you shot. familiar with Basil Dearden? No, I'm not. Yeah, because I was like, yeah, but go ahead. Because yeah. I was thinking the same. I was like, I need to watch more of his movies. It's a, it's an incredible shot. It's just that the emotions that it evokes are unearned yeah. by these two characters. That's, that is absolutely correct. That yeah. is absolutely When you see them together, you are, you're supposed to feel something right. that they overcame this. But it's like, I, I, never, I haven't felt anything for them as a couple the entire film. Right. But unlike you, I don't mind that because I'm, I'm completely team Patrick McGowan. No. So yeah. So the less time we spent with them as a couple, which you know, again, in their defense, I am going to go back to it's 1962. Right. So they can only do so much with them. Fair. I I I thought yeah I don't I don't need I don't need much from them frankly, like like let's get some more Patrick McGowan moving stuff around and um. <laughs> Part of his plot point, getting Cass to fall off the wagon and get back addicted <laughs> to that marijuana. <laughs> Lynn, why was marijuana addiction a plot point? <laughs> oh, I had to leave that alone. <laughs> you know what he's like when he gets on the marijuana. <laughs> I was so confused because at first I was trying to figure out how heroin was in those cigarettes. Me too. Like the way they were talking. Me too. I was like, it sounds like they're talking about heroin. That's what I was thinking too. They can't possibly just be talking about weed. <laughs> That's what I was. Oh, well, you know how I get. <laughs> yeah. He's like, who? Who? Cass fell off the wagon. <laughs> Johnny said, "Here." Hold on to this. And they played the dramatic music. I know. I like, he just handed them some joints. What is and then it's like a, And then it's like a real quick cut and boy straight stone. And, and he is stone, <laughs> but he is real crazy stone. Yeah. 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 He lightweight. Like, he it. is angry stone. I was like, I've never seen anyone smoke marijuana and get angry. Why is he so angry? Yeah, I don't think he can smell weed. Right. He, he, he was done. Like, I thought he was supposed to be in the corner and they was going to come in and then Rex was going to see him, like, eating a family-sized bag of Doritos. And he's like, oh, he must be on that stuff again. Well, you know, maybe maybe, maybe, maybe Basil don't know much about weed. Because <laughs> 
I ain't never seen weed just give you the rams like that. Because he, he starts ramming at my man. I was say, what is wrong? What? Are those heroin cigarettes? <laughs> yeah. Because that, that is not... That is not what weed does. <laughs> no, like I said, I think I think that I think that may be why Aurelius Rex was giving him the eye, like, <laughs> right? What? 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 Right. Right. <laughs> Thank, come on. Uh. Mm. Yeah, that was funny. That was funny. That was funny. But regardless, I. I I still really, really enjoyed this film. It's, I mean, like I said, you could groove to it. Yeah. It's, now that I've seen it, mm-hmm. it's a movie that I would watch again right? so that I can have it in the background. Right. And then just enjoy the music. And I wish they didn't play up the Othello stuff so much. That this is a version of Othello. Like, I wish I could go in and watch it. Like, I hate, you know, I hate to say it. I almost wish Rex's character was played by a white actor. And then I kind of watch it and I'm like, hey, this is kind of like, oh, that's what happened in Othello. But then like I kind of keep it moving. Mm-hmm. And then if it's a white actor, then they can really have this passionate, crazy, yeah. physical connection. Even though So that when he strangles her in the end, you kind of see where that comes from. I guess spoiler for a 400-year-old play. <laughs> Othello strangles her at the end. Sorry, I, don't know. I hope nobody wouldn't play. I can't believe he spoiled Othello. Sorry, <laughs> fuck this mission. <laughs> and here's spoiling plays. <laughs> You've had it since like 1619 to read it. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> just dumb. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, um, so w- w- would you recommend people see? I absolutely would. Yeah, I think I would recommend it yeah, too. I absolutely would. I think I would recommend it as well. People yeah. check it out. I think it's worth checking out. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a smooth. It's a, it, hey, it's a good time. And 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 we should probably like I'm gonna say here on on the actual episode about Patrick McGowan. If you've not watched The Prisoner, I don't think people are ready for The Prisoner. Not everybody ready for The Prisoner. Oh, I think the missionaries are ready for the prisoner. You think? Oh, I do. Uh, I trust the missionaries. I don't know. Oh, I think they're ready for the prisoner. I mean, I mean, because uh, all right, man. Prison, I mean, because I'll be honest, I like the prisoner, but I never finished the prisoner. You never finished the to, well, no, whoa, don't, don't, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't so you me, don't know who number two is? No, don't get me wrong. I went to the end. Okay, okay. I never watched all of it. I just said, you know what? I'm going to the end. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh my God, I love the prisoner. So it was much. okay. Melted my brain when I was probably twenty. I can see that. I like see just that. melted my like sat and then turned to PBS. And you mm-hmm. know how they do this. I turned to PBS and I, you know it's probably gonna go out later, right? And then turned it on just sort of killing time after mm-hmm. you know kind of came home from my odd job at like two or three is flipping channels. And now a special presentation of the prisoner. You know, it came on and you're watching, you're watching. And I distinctly remember turning down shenanigans, tomfoolery, and nonsense. Because I had to sit and finish watching the prisoner. 
Like I told my dudes, I will catch up with y'all, but I really need to see how this plays out. I, uh, well, yeah, yeah. I, I, I okay. I, I'm Sat on the side of my bed and watched my little television and watched The Prisoner. Did you ever watch Secret Agent? I did not. Because that, I mean, it's it's he's not playing the same character. I know, but people oftentimes say that that, that, he, that he's quitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Can I tell you a secret? Cool. Speaking of secrets, I run hot and cold on those '60s spy shows. Yeah, well, like, like I, I think I may be like too. I loved our spy. I do maybe the first couple of seasons of the Man from Uncle. Mm. You know, like everybody else, I like the Emma Steed years of the Avengers. Yeah. But, you know, like the Saints and oh, the Saint. Danger Man. The, and Well, Danger Man is the secret agent. Well, oh, right, right. The secret. Like, I, like, they just have never really held my attention. Well, the Saint, that's, um, what's his name? Oh, uh, which one call it? Oh, James Bond. Yeah, um, Moore. Roger, Roger Moore. Moore. That's yeah, Roger, Roger Moore. Moore. Young yeah, Roger I don't Moore. like Roger Moore. So okay. the Saint never did anything for me. Like the the, the Saint that I knew, right? My Saint is uh, Charles Sanders from the nineteen forties movies. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, I like them. Yeah. The, the, the Roger Moore, <laughs> um, Man from Uncle. That never did anything for me. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I like I don't mind Robert Vaughn, but he's never did anything for me. Yeah. But the secret agent, that was my that was my my jam. Uh and then I went straight to get smart. And I think that may have been what happened. Like I think I, I watched Get Smart first. Yes, before if you did, I got to what it was spoofing. Yeah. And get smart kind of ruined that yeah i can see that i can see that yeah that does ruin that does ruin it for you because you're right especially the amer the more american ones like man from uncle and corny ones like the saint because uh secret agent the prisoner and the avengers with right steed and and emma they all have their own a separate identity yes that's that uh, Get Smart is not spoofing. Right. Get Smart is is clearly spoofing Man from Uncle right, and the James the Bond, Bond and the yeah. Flint movies and all mm-hmm. that. But the, they, those other ones, those British ones, they live in like just cocoon of just sweetness and yeah. goodness, man. Yeah. But yeah. the prisoner? Oh, yeah. Like all good nerds. Like, like, I, you, so you didn't have a prisoner phase? I, I really didn't. You didn't? I, I, did, I mean, I, 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 Watched it. I liked oh, it. Oh my god! But I, you know why? Why? <laughs> because I fell into the prisoner at the same time I fell into Benny Hill. Oh, so that's it funny. was like prisoner Benny Hill, young six, young teenage Len. I was going Benny Hill. Yeah, yeah. See, my problem was I was a little older when I hit the prisoner. So uh, like you could do other stuff and watch the prisoner and. Yeah, think hear. about it and sit in the room and talk to people about the philosophy and mm. and, and the symbolism and what was really happening. And, and, <laughs> in a way, aren't we all number two? Aren't we all number two? And maybe I would have gotten into it. The guys that I grew up with, they didn't watch The Prisoner. Right, right. So right. I didn't have anybody to talk to them about. Right. So, so oh, my goodness. They watched Benny Hill. Prisoner melted. Prisoner melted my brain when I was twenty. I loved that damn prisoner. And like I said, I was an Avengers guy. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was even after uh, Emma Peel left. 
I tried to stay after mm-hmm. MAPL left, and I, I, I didn't, make, didn't make it. It's just not the same. I remember being upset when I turned, like I saw the Avengers on, um, on they, like on like the little TV, and then the TV guy. It said the Avengers was coming on. Was it said, the new Avengers? No, no, no. It just said the Avengers, and you know when I was oh, like 13, 14, I said, "Oh my God, the Avengers mm-hmm. on television!" And then I turned, and it was like the the British Avengers, and I was really, really upset for yeah. approximately five minutes. Yeah, and then I said, "Oh, this is amazing." Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was still cool. Yeah. Because so. did you have you had an umbrella, didn't you? Uh, Everybody <laughs> had an umbrella. Yes. Yes, I had an umbrella, <laughs> which is the past tense. <laughs> oh, okay. Of the verb, <laughs> I had an umbrella in the in the past, and and thought about, you know, certainly it was in the past. I don't. <laughs> certainly not now. I don't have an umbrella, and then I didn't try and. Talk my wife into buying a three hundred dollar umbrella when I was in London. That <laughs> didn't happen at all. No. Yes, but but I had an umbrella. Yes, yes had plural. Anyway, I mean uh, past tense. Had anyway. So check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Go check oh out yeah. Oh yeah. All night long, it's streaming out there. So for your uh, download pleasure. Um, check it out. It's not expensive, and it's worth it. Absolutely, definitely worth it. Absolutely, I think if I catch it somewhere on Blu-ray, I, I think I'd buy this. Well, it's a Criterion Collection. Yeah. You should have. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd, I'd. Yeah. So you have to. Aren't you like no, investing in all? No, no, no. Well, how did this one slip your? I, 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 I never heard of it. Wow. I never heard of it, and you know, when you look at the cover, there is a picture of Paul Harris, but he's like in the corner. True. Yeah, he's not exactly. Right. He's, he's not big up even on the movie. I look for the black stuff on Criterion Collection. White guys, white guys, white guys, Asian guys, Asian guys, white guys, white. Ooh, do the right thing. <laughs> gotcha. Uh. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get out of here. Um, before we tell you what's coming up next week, remember that you can check out the Me Show Mission. It is available as a radio broadcast in a much edited version, but it's available on Saturdays at 1 p.m. on WPPM 106.5 FM, Philly Cam, People Power Media, Philly and New Jersey, as well as you can wake up with me show every 9 a.m. on Monday mornings on WKDU 91.7 FM, the voice of Drexel University. Email us at mission at gmail.com. Misho is spelled M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X. Join the Facebook group me show mission like and follow us on instagram and twitter at me show mission please on the podcatcher of your choice if you want to help our little show out give us a ranking and a rating that really helps people find the show just like all the people who hit like on soundcloud like uh, mc picket fence and walter jackson i see all of you out there thank you very much for following us. yes yes thank you Alrighty, okay, and also uh, just to let you know, um, there's information on our website. The 
Michelle Mission is joining with the Black Tribbles to host a screening of Jordan Peele's Us on March 23rd here in Philadelphia. Tickets are available uh, now. You can go on our website, MichaudeMission.com, for more information. It's being brought to you by the Michaud Mission, Black Tribbles, Black Sci-Fi, as well as Amalgam Comics and Coffee House. Jordan Peele's Us. Keep it just between us. Join us to check out this film together here in Philadelphia. Next week. Oh, I'm sorry. Also, don't forget, Michelle Mission is a part of the Podglomerate family of curated podcasts just for you. Go to thepodglomerate.com. Next week on the Michelle Mission we have a very special guest from Philly Cam. Yes. She is the host of Millennial High. It is Tia Mitchell will be here in the building, and we will be reviewing the film that she has selected, which stars Tay Diggs, Morris Chestnut, and Nia Long, and Sanai Lathan yes. in The Best Man. Next week, a classic here on the Michelle Mission. Oh, if you could see the tongue in Vince's cheek. <laughs> it is a classic. Until then, <laughs> he's Vince. I'm Len. In parting, we say. We'll see you when it's time to meet again. And now, here's a Michelle Mission extra. Parental discretion advised. Oakley, Oakley, Patrick McGowan. McGowan. I realize I love fucking Patrick McGowan, but I'd never actually said his name out loud. <laughs> Just call him that prisoner nigga. I love that prisoner nigga. <laughs> That's that prisoner nigga right there. I like that motherfucker. Woo! I fucks with the prisoner. Like bubble jump on your ass. <laughs> ass wake up in the village, bitch. <laughs> Woo! The prisoner. Quit the British Secret Service if you want, motherfucker. <laughs> Drive your little speedster down the road. When <laughs> the office, he was popping shit. You know how you can tell he was popping <laughs> shit in the credits? Because he slammed his yes, hand on yes. the table. Yes. Then they used a typewriter and X'd out it. I said, oh, I ain't never quit a job like that. <laughs> Gas that motherfucker. He woke up in the village fucking around. <laughs> He didn't have all that bass in his voice. Maybe maybe they want to put his ass on that island. That's why he's supposed to get. That's why he's supposed to get two weeks' notice. That's why he's supposed to get two weeks' notice. (laughs) Took his ass in there popping shit. I'm Patrick McGowan. I got a little speedster. I quit. I quit. Now I'm going to go home and throw some shit in the suitcase. <laughs> and they're going to gas me. 
and I'm gonna wake up in the village. <sighs> it's called Cobra coverage. <laughs> Oh, boy. All right. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again.